You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, Blazers fans, to another episode of the Blazer Focused Podcast. I am Aaron Fentress. I cover the Blazers for the Oregonian and OregonLive.com. Before I get started, be sure to click the subscribe button. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and make sure that you never miss an episode. So today, I got three main topics for you. One, we're going to look back at the recent road trip. They went six games and went three and three on a pretty tough trip. And I think they came home looking pretty decent at 12 and 10. I'll get into why I thought it was a positive road trip and why you shouldn't feel bad about them being 20, 12 and 10 right now. I know there's some fans out there who wish they were 17 and five or what have you, but that's just unrealistic given the injury. So we're going to take a look back at that trip and why it was important to this team moving forward. Also, what did they gain on that trip? Like, not just as a team, but let's take a look at the little things they gained on that trip, specifically the young players stepping up and making plays on a routine basis. Gary Trent Jr. is a star in the making. I'm just calling it right now. Anthony Simons looks like potentially a star in the making. And we even saw... Some great moments from C.J. Ellaby. How about that at Philadelphia? So we're going to talk about what this trip meant to the youngsters on this team. And then last but not least, we're going to look ahead at the rest of the first half of the season. The Blazers are 12 and 10. They have 13 games remaining in the first half of the season. What can they do over these next 13 games to improve their position? So that's all that's on tap. Let's get right to it and start with taking a look at the Blazers' recent road trip. You know, even when you're dealing with adversity, um, you don't make excuses and feel bad for yourself and, you know, continue to trust each other and, and stay together, you can still be productive. And, uh, you know, obviously we we want, we came in here wanting to, to go home four and two, but I think um, uh, given the circumstances, if we, you know, come on this trip and we leave splitting it three and three, um, you know, we'll take it. So... Um, I think that's the lesson, and, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing not to be able to get this one tonight. Um, we really wanted to get it, and, you know, that would have been a great trip for us, but we didn't, you know, so on to the next one. That was Damien Lillard lamenting the fact that they lost to the Knicks on Saturday. Definitely a disappointing loss for the team, given that Lillard had returned to the lineup after the team had defeated Philadelphia without him. 
Clearly, you would think that the team could defeat the best team in the East without Lillard, that they should be able to take care of the Knicks, who are actually in the playoff race, believe it or not, with Tom Thibodeau as their coach, and they play really good defense. They held the Blazers to 99 points, which is their lowest output of the season. The single lowest output of the season would be the 87 they scored against Indiana when they lost 111-87 the night that Nurkic injured his wrist. But Lillard clearly disappointed they didn't close out this road trip with a win. They could have come home 13 and nine. They would have been four and two on the trip. And this sort of reminds me, uh, and actually Stotts brought this up too, but it did remind me of a couple other times when they sort of blew opportunities to get a win before either coming home or going out on the road. So let's go back to the early part of the season. They went on a four game road trip through Los Angeles and Golden State, four games. They were two and one, excuse me, they were two, yeah, two and one on that trip. With a win over the Lakers, they had just defeated Golden State 123-98. They were playing Golden State again. If they won that game, they would have come home 5-2, and two, uh, excuse me, 4-2, and two, and they would have started a little bit of a run there of three out of four games at home. A lot of uh, easy, not easy, I don't ever say easy in the NBA, but a lot of games that you would expect them to win, and they could have really boosted up their uh, record, but they dropped that game at Golden State, 137 to 122 when Steph Curry went nuts for like 62 or what have you. So then they come home, they play a few games at home, they got in Sacramento twice, et cetera, et cetera. And then they had a chance during that stretch to defeat Oklahoma City and go out on the road for that trip we just talked about at 10 and 6. But by that time, remember now, Nurkic was already out and McCollum was already out. They had lost to San Antonio. They beat the Knicks by three, letting the Knicks come back after taking a 70-50 to 50 lead. And you've got the Thunder coming in. Not a great team, but the Thunder got hot from three and they defeated the Blazers. So instead of going on the road 10-6, and six, they went out 9-7 and seven, and they were very disappointed in that. So now the same thing here. You have a chance to close out either a homestand or a road trip and you don't get it done. So you come home 12-10 and 10 instead of 13-9. and nine. So Lillard disappointed in that, but overall big picture. Because the thing about the NBA is it's about the big pictures because you're playing 72 games. You can't worry too much about one or two games here or there. But big picture, they went three and three on this trip. I had them pegged for winning two out of six. I thought that they would lose both games to Milwaukee and Philadelphia and then split the other four, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Blazers, and the Bulls. As it turned out, they did split those four, um, but they also split the the uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee game. So that put them at three and three. Now, Yes, Lillard has every right to be disappointed, um, Coach Stotts as well, but let's not forget what this team was up against. They went out on the road, played some solid teams and some mediocre teams. You know, Houston, Houston, let's, you know, that loss to Houston is not a bad loss. Houston's, they won seven out of nine. Ever since getting rid of Harden, they've gotten a lot better. They're playing really good basketball right now, so that was not a bad loss. But anyway, Counting the fact that McCollum was out for all six games, Nurkic was out for all six games, Derek Jones Jr. missed four games, Lillard missed one, and Covington missed one. That means that their five starters combined to miss 18 games of a possible 40 combined starts. <laughs> That's almost 50% of your starts from your starters were missed. That's a recipe for disaster, especially, especially when... Two of your best three players, McCollum and Nurkic, combined to miss 12 of those. 
So the fact that you went three and three, when you easily could have gone gone one and five. Now on the other side, you know, if you're a Blazer, you could say well, we could have been five and one. Yeah, you could have. But come on, the Bulls game was, you know, an amazing win. You know, two three pointers by Lillard in the final, you know, nine seconds or what have you. That game winner fadeaway step back, falling out of bounds with seven footer Lowry marking and sticking his arms out was a phenomenal finish. It, it was a one and a. I think ESPN had a stat that a team. That's up by six with 10 seconds to go or what have you in the history of the NBA is like nine and 25,000. <laughs> so that was a little bit of a flukish win, but you take it as, and then you can say, well, they should have won the next game. Okay. Maybe fine. So anyway, three and three is what they, what they deserved based on how they played during that trip. And that's what they got. But that is not bad. Like that, that's a quality trip when it easily could have been two and four without that Chicago win. And that given the fact that they had lost so much talent for that trip, so many starts from their, from their starters, they easily could have gone one and five and I wouldn't have been shocked. So to come home still above 500 is astounding. I believe. And I, I think it says a lot about this team. Uh, you, you know, the, the thing Lillard talked about was, you know, staying together and going through adversity. And this team showed that there's, there's no way anyone can look at this road trip. I, I don't believe and come away feeling badly about it. Because a lot of teams, I believe, in this situation would have gone 1-5. So I believe that at the very least, and I don't even think this is a least, I think this is a big deal, the team demonstrated to the rest of the league and to its fans and to themselves that no matter how bad things get, this team is going to fight to try and get it done. That doesn't mean they're not going to be inconsistent. That doesn't mean you're not going to see, you know, situations where they lose to the Knicks or lose to the Thunder and you think that shouldn't have happened. You know, given everything they're dealing with, those things are going to happen. It's just the NBA. I'm going to get more into what I mean by that later. But I think this team showed on the road that they have a lot of respect for a, their coach. They have a lot of respect for Lillard as their leader. They have a lot of respect for themselves and for the job they're doing and the work they're trying to put in and where they want to go. And I think that was evident on this trip. Thanks. Aaron Petrus, the Oregonian. Hey, Damien, I asked you last week about the fact that with so many guys out, other players are going to play and then they have a chance to grow. That's the byproduct of that, you know, the silver lining and all that. How do you feel a lot of guys grew during this road trip going three and three without CJ Merrick, et cetera. And then how, how did you feel about the team Thursday at Philly? We didn't get a chance to talk to you, but were you pretty proud sitting over there watching them play like that? Yeah, I mean, I, it was, you know, pretty much what I what I have been saying. You know, when we when you deal with the kind of things that we're dealing with, you know, all the injuries and, you know, guys being banged up and we've been telling ourselves nobody's going to feel sorry for us. You know, we're not going to make no excuses. We still feel like we can get, get the job done as a group. We believe in each other. Um, and it's going to be an opportunity for guys to step up and show that they can contribute and that, um, you know, it's, it's a chance for growth for our team. You know, you you couldn't putting guys out there uh, for, you know, an amount of minutes that they haven't played, some guys who haven't, you know, really played at all. And you, you throwing them in a the fire where you just, you know, you're forced to grow and get comfortable and, and, and find your way. And I think that um, it's going to make us a better team in the long run, you know, with guys getting this experience. And on Thursday, I was just, you know, that was a prime example. You know, I was really happy you know, how we played and how we just went out there and just did us. You know, we didn't worry about who wasn't on the floor and what we didn't have. We competed and um, we got the job done. And I think that's that's what we're going to have to uh, to do going forward. Just go out there and play, be together, 
um, not worry about who's not here and, and all those things and um, just try to go out there and get the job done. And I think if we continue to have that mentality, we're going to be okay. That was Lillard talking about the young players stepping up on this road trip. I asked him, you heard my question in the beginning there, I asked him about that a while back because one of the things that can happen in situations like this when you have a lot of injuries is that young players play, they get better. They get experience they wouldn't have received otherwise. So at the end of the run where you're without the injured players, those guys can come back to a better team because those guys will have gotten that experience. And so what we're seeing the emergence of Anthony Simons one, the continued upward trajectory of Gary Trent Jr., who's been starting in place of McCollum. And we saw CJ Ellaby play in the Philadelphia game and demonstrate some talent that I think is going to bode well for his future. Probably not this season. I don't think he's going to be a factor this year. They just have too many guards and forwards. But he showed some things in that game where you're like, okay, this guy could be a player down the road. Uh, and then Harry Giles was solid. I mean, not great. Harry has a lot of work to do to become a viable player in the NBA. I think that's a given. Uh, but he has some talent. He has some skills. I really hope that Portland re-signs him to a uh, team-friendly deal at the end of this year. Maybe they get him for like, you know, three years, $18 million or something like that. They can keep him around and continue to develop him and let, and let him grow and become a player for this team. But, you know, he w- I'll start with him first since he didn't do all that much. 13 minutes a game while backing up Ennis Cantor. They needed someone to back up Cantor. Cantor can't play 48 minutes. You go to Giles for 13 or so, and he gave them 3.5 points and 5.5 rebounds per game. Now, the 3.5 points, nothing to write home about, but the 5.5 rebounds, I mean, that's that's significant in 13.5 minutes. Per 36 minutes, that comes out to like 14 rebounds or so. So he did the job on the boards for the time he was in the game, and he gave you effort. He gave you high energy, and he's not – a focal point of offense. So his points are going to come if he gets an offensive rebound. So he's not being asked to score. So his points are kind of meaningless, but he gave them some positive minutes. And I, I still think this guy can become a, a pretty solid rotation player down the line. Ellaby had the one game against Philadelphia where he had to play because they were down Jones and Lillard. He played 31 minutes in that game and gave them 15 points and seven rebounds. He had some offensive rebounds with, with putbacks on two of them. He uh, had some steals. I think he had one steal, one assist, a, a few blocks, a couple block shots. And he just was, he looked like a guy who just was a jack of all trades out there. And these little spots were just all of a sudden, boom, Ellaby made a play. And then you wouldn't pay much attention to him. And bam, there he was again. And that comes from, I wrote about this, I've written about it twice now. That comes from when he was growing up in the Seattle area and he played on AAU teams where he wasn't the primary scorer. He played you know, a lot with Michael uh, Porter Jr., who's in the NBA, drafted by Cleveland, and now is with the Houston Rockets. He was like the primary dominant scorer on the team, plus another player. And so CJ's dad, Bill Ellaby, who was a a legend at Garfield High School in Seattle and played at Cal, would tell his son, look, those guys are dominating the ball and shooting a lot. Go do a bunch of other things. Play good defense. Be aggressive on the on the boards. Go crash the glass. If those guys are shooting, you go get offensive rebounds. You get putbacks. And when the ball comes to you and it's time for you to score, score. But don't let the other parts of your game, you know, fade away because you're not a primary scorer on the team become good at the little things. And he did that at Washington State as well. And he's doing that now at Portland, you know, albeit one major performance in 31 minutes, which prior to that, he had played 44 minutes the entire season. But he looked like that guy who was just going to give you a little bit of everything and that he's 
young and his second round pick and he's going to have time to develop, there's no reason right now to not believe that he's not going to develop into a quality player, just like Gary Trent has. Speaking of Gary Trent, we saw him blow up at the bubble. Uh, he's been playing well this year and then he became a starter and because McCullum went down and he has been lighting it up on this trip. He averaged 19.7 points per game while shooting 45% on threes, 28 of 60. And he does not hesitate to jack it up. It is going up. It doesn't matter if he's covered. He's going to find a way to get rid of that ball and get it up there. And he has just been on fire. 45% in six road games, really, as as the starting two guard. like He, he is showing that he is not only a killer piece to bring off the bench, but he is going to be a starter in this league. And when he, it comes time for him to get paid, Boris going to have to make a decision because he's going to cost. He's going to cost some money. So it'll be interesting to see what, that, what happens with that moving forward. But right now, the fact that, that that guy is coming off your bench behind CJ McCollum when McCollum returns, bringing that firepower is a huge deal. And it's not like we didn't think this was going to happen this year. Like I think a lot of people felt good about him. But you know, the bubble burst he had you know, sometimes that can be just, you know, an eight or nine, 10 game stretch where you're hot. But now we're seeing that, no, it's not about him being hot last summer. It's that he is who he is showing that he is. And this is going to continue. And the fact that he was able to do that in a starting role with that type of pressure on him was a huge step forward for him and for this team, knowing that he can give them that. Not that they probably already knew, but for the rest of us to see it too, I think for fans, they should be like, wow, the Blazers have a legitimate big three at the guard position. Like they have three legitimate big time guards, a superstar in Lillard, a possible all-star in McCullum and a three and D guy off the bench who is going to tear you apart. If you give this guy open looks. And then that brings us to Anfrey Simons. Now Simons is doing right now, sort of what Trent did at the bubble. He's showing you for the first time that he can be a baller as well on this trip. And remember early in the season, he was barely playing. It was little, you know, pieces here and there, four minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. When he didn't play well, he was coming out. And I asked him a while back too, how hard is that? You know, isn't it much easier to sort of get into a rhythm and a flow when you're actually given 20, 25 minutes, you're not looking over your shoulder. You know, he kind of, you know, was diplomatic about answering that question, but we've seen now with the fact that he's been the first guard off the bench with Dame and Trent starting and playing significant minutes, anywhere from 20, usually 20 to 30 minutes, and having to be either the primary ball handler at point guard or playing off guard off of Damian Lillard. And so that's a little different, you know, experience for him, role for him. And during this road trip alone, 15 of 39, 38.5% on threes. Uh, and he averaged about, I think, 13 points because he had one off game where he didn't score very much. But what's Fun to watch with him is his budding talent. Like this guy, athletically, he's the most athletic guard on the team. His his handles are getting to be pretty sick. He can shoot it from anywhere, and he has a really quick release. Like it's he he gets it up and out really quickly, and does not hesitate. Just like Trent, he's like I said, he's got the handles. So he was able to create separation. There was one play I think it was against. It might have been the Knicks or Philly where he came down was dribbling a back and forth behind his leg, step back and then just jacked up the three and hit it. Uh, he's, he's got skills, man. He's athletic as all get out. He had a baseline drive for a dunk. That was just amazing. I think that was actually before the trip. Um, I guess, I think that was against the thunder, but yeah, this, this, this guy as your four, number four guard, and we can actually say number five guard, if we're going to put Rodney hood in that mix gives you great depth at that position. And this is the first time we can really say for sure that we know that he has the goods to contribute and play 
and become a valuable piece on this team, either off the bench or who knows at some point when you have four guards like this with Lillard, McCollum, Trent and Simons moving forward, when it comes time to pay other people and figure out what you're going to do and look at other positions that you need, it's hard for me to imagine that Simons and Trent are both going to be on this team within the next couple of years. Like I think one of them will probably be moved in a trade. I think that would make this team better if you can get someone of equal talent at a forward position. But uh, right now, having that firepower and knowing that you can trust either Trent in a starting position or Simons in, in you know 15 to 20 minutes a game is huge for this team moving forward. So you know, again, th- three and three on the road trip, they would have liked to have been four and two, but they showed a lot of heart and they showed a, a lot of commitment to ch- trying to be better, trying to get better, trying to win games, no matter what is going on. And they learned a lot about their young players out on the road. And the, all of that is going to bode well for this team moving forward. You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Okay, now let's take a look at where the Blazers are in relationship to the rest of the league to try and add some perspective to their situation. So despite all of the issues they have dealt with, the Blazers are tied for sixth in the Mighty West. This is a deep conference, as we all know. They've been without two of their three best players for, what, eight games now, eight, nine games now. They've had other injuries pop up here and there where guys have missed games, which is normal, but to be without your Two of your three best players is not usual. I mean, that's that's not something that happens to everyone for long stretches. It has happened to the Blazers, but here they are tied for sixth with Denver at 12 and 10. On top of that, they are only one game out of fourth. That's Phoenix right now at, in fourth place at 13 and nine. You're one game behind them. For all the turmoil this team has dealt with, they are a four-game winning streak and Phoenix dropping a couple games from being the fourth seed. Now, my ceiling for them at the beginning of the season was three. I basically kind of had them between three and five best case scenario with, because the West is just so deep. You never know. You could be, you could be three or eight and that could be separated by four or five games and injuries could dictate how that plays out. Of course, with COVID and and players missing games, you never know how things are going to go, but I had them maybe between three and five. And that was before CJ and, and Nurkic missed, you know, all those games. So you tell me that at the beginning of the season and that they're still going to be 12 and 10 at this point, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, I don't think so. So the fact that they are only a game out of fourth right now, despite all they've been through, to me is pretty impressive. Like you, you have to walk away from that feeling good about the situation because that means that a bunch of teams didn't run away from you. You aren't sitting at, you know, I mean, the Pelicans are 10 and 12. You're not them. And the Pelicans were supposed to make a move this year. You know, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, and they're above, they're below 500. And so that brings me to my next point is that you have to look around the league and understand all the problems some other teams are having. Dallas. Dallas was a playoff team last year. They are 10 and 14. They are struggling. They've had their own issues, of course, but they are 10 and 14 as opposed to 12 and 10. Much better Situation for Portland than Dallas right now, despite having Luka Doncic having another great season. Portland's tied with Denver. Denver made the West Finals last year. They are 12 and 10. They just lost two in a row. You know, Golden State got Steph Curry back. They lost Clay Thompson, but they added some guys. 
Kelly Oubre. Wiggins is supposed to take another step. They had a high draft second uh, to get Wiseman. Draymond Green's back. They're 12 and 11. Looking out east, the Miami Heat went to the NBA Finals last year. They are 9 and 14. <laughs> that's, that's a huge fall right there. You look at the Boston Celtics. They were in the East Finals last year, lost to Miami. Boston has two of the best young players in the league in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They are 12 and 10. The Brooklyn Nets, who began the season with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and then added James Harden, they're 14 and 11. So take a big 30,000 foot view of this team right now. And you look at the fact that they are 12 and 10. That is a great spot to be in given all the troubles they have had. Now you want to look at their schedule the rest of the second half. We don't know when CJ is coming back. I'm going to guess somewhere between February 14th and February 18th, as long as everything checks out when they take the boot off or examine his foot. If that happens, let's say it's the 17th, then they're going to have him for the final seven games, excuse me, eight games of the first half of the season. I believe that if he comes back around then, based on their schedule, that of their final 13 games, they should be eight and five. If they pull off eight and five, they would be 20 and 15 in the first half. They would then get Nurkic back. They might get him back into the first half, or it may be the start of the second half. But if they get him back just for the second half and they're whole come the second half, sitting at a position where they are 20 and 15, that's when I think we could see a big run in there somewhere, like a six, seven, eight game winning streak. And I, no one's seen the second half of the schedule because it isn't out yet, where this team can be whole, be healthy, and rattle off six, seven, eight games in a row. Then all of a sudden, you're sitting in a firmer position within the standings. You're not, you know, flirting with four. You're four. You know, you're four or five. You're right there in the mix. And that's where they want to be. You know, I, I think you want to be a four or five so you can avoid the Clippers and the Lakers in the first round. You can have a good matchup in the first round, win that series. And you're going to have to deal with the Lakers or Clippers at some point anyway. So that's, you know, that's just your fate. But at least you can get a good matchup in the first round. Let's go back now to where this team was before Nurkic went down. They had just won four in a row, and they were 7-4. and four. They were starting to pick things up. Nurkic goes down against Indiana. They lose. They're 7-5. and five, Okay. Then they play Atlanta. They win despite losing McCollum by halftime. You're 8-5. and five, Feeling pretty good. San Antonio comes along. Your first game without both Nurk and CJ, and you lose. As you know, you lost to a solid San Antonio team. So since both McCollum and Nurkic have been out together, the Blazers are just four and five. But to me, given the fact you lost two of your three best players, four and five with a six game road trip in there, it's pretty damn good. Like, I think they should feel good about that, like I've said already. So if you can pull that off, and based on the development we've seen from younger players, I truly believe that this team has in them a burst once they get healthy of a six, seven, eight game win streak in them in the second half of the season. I truly believe that's a possibility. It could be a five game win streak and then a loss and then a five game win streak. I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly eight in a row or seven in a row, but they're going to have a stretch where they're going to rattle off a bunch of wins. The other, th- the other thing that I think is going to happen too is when they become whole and get healthy is we've seen enough 
bursts of defensive ability here and there for me to believe that it's in there somewhere. Like they can definitely be better than, than what they've been. They've been so inconsistent and well, they've been consistently bad with, with bouts of inconsistent excellence. Let's put it that way. But I do believe the defense will be better in the second half once they get everyone going and get everyone on the same page and finally have a chance to maybe gel together. I, I think it'll be better to the point where it'll be respectably decent. They're, they're not going to be a great, they're not going to be top 10. That's not going to happen. I don't believe that for a second. But I do believe they can be in the teens. If they can get it into the teens consistently with the offense that they have, which is top you know, five, six, or seven, then that's going to give them a chance to win against most teams in the NBA. So that's sort of the big picture of where I see this team right now. I do believe there's hope. I do believe that they're in a good spot given all the things they've gone through. And you look at the schedule coming up. They've got Orlando at home, Philly, and Cleveland. You figure you win two out of three regardless of your, if you're healthy. Then they go on the road to Dallas, Oklahoma City, and New Orleans. I think they can get two out of three if CJ comes back. If he doesn't, I think that's a one and two trip. But let's just say CJ comes back in there, you get two of those three. Then you've got Washington at home. You should win that game. Then you've got the dicey road trip. This is this is going to be killer. You've got at Phoenix, at Denver, at the Lakers. I think they only win one out of those three, even with CJ. I think that's going to be a really tough trip. I'm just going to give them one out of three since I gave them two out of three on the other trip. And then you close with Charlotte, Golden State, and Sacramento. You should win two out of three. So based on that, you go eight and five these final 13 games. You're sitting at 20 and 15, five games over. I think that probably puts you at five seed, maybe within a game of four, uh, maybe the fourth seed with, with two or three teams breathing down your neck. But that puts you in a great position going into the second half. And that's what you want when you're dealing with a marathon season like this. It's condensed 72 games. They're playing virtually every other day with some back-to-backs in there. Every once in a while, they have two days in between games. That's rough enough. Then you factor in the injuries they've had and the COVID situation. They haven't been hit by it much other than Nasir Little early in the season. But that's you know an issue with games being canceled or postponed, like the two Memphis games, like a Charlotte game was. So you factor all that into it. What you want to be is in position to pounce in the second half. That's really all you could ask for. Yes, you want to be Utah right now and be just running away with it, you know, with not running away with the West, but man, they're just on fire. They're sitting at 19 and five. That would be great, but you're just not at that level right now, especially with your defense and the fact you have so many injuries. You just want to be in position to make a run in the second half. And I truly believe that the Blazers are in position. I truly believe they gained a lot on this road trip in terms of coming together as a team and finding out some information and de- while developing young talent. And I do think this is all going to pay off moving forward. So that is my view for where I see this team right now coming off this road trip and hitting down in the final stretch. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Blazer Focus podcast. I will be back soon with another episode. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you do not miss an episode as I bring to you all the news and information surrounding this Portland Trail Blazers team as they make their push get into the playoffs and hopefully for them make a deep run. Thanks again for listening.